welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Henry David Thoreau, the famous American author and philosopher, once said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. You know, as I look back on my own ministry, it seems that the people that are the most open to the gospel, and in fact, the people who were most open to Jesus were what we would call the desperate. People in this mode normally have three characteristics. First of all, they are, they are hurting. They've got a problem such as a spouse that has left them, a wayward child, a life-threatening illness. They feel helpless. And they realize that this is a problem they can't solve. They can't buy their way out of it. They can't beg their way out of it. And so they feel hopeless. They don't see any possible solution to their problem. Well, on today's program, we're going to study an encounter that Jesus had with a man who was desperate. And he had reasons to be desperate. He was hurting. He was helpless. He was hopeless. He was in the same place some of you watching me right now are. Maybe you're about to file for bankruptcy or you're in the middle of losing your marriage or you have a son or a daughter that is helplessly and hopelessly addicted to drugs or alcohol. Maybe your life is just not working out for you and the way you would have wanted and you're desperate. Jesus specializes in people like you. Amazingly, the people that are on the outside looking in are the very people that Jesus went outside looking for. The people that you and I tend to ignore or avoid or reject, well, they're the very people that Jesus looked for and gravitated towards. Well, one of these amazing stories is found in the Gospel of John. We're going to study about a man who was not only desperate, but he was born in desperation because he was born blind. There is a night and day difference in how we treat persons with disabilities today, though there is still much room for improvement compared to the way they were treated 2,000 years ago. You know, 2,000 years ago, if you had a disability, the word was not accommodation, it was desperation. And what we're going to learn today from this incredible story is good news for the desperate. So if you're desperate, if you are at the end of your rope, if you have nowhere else to turn to, then let me ask you to do what a blind man did. The way this story is introduced tells us basically all we need to know about this man. John chapter 9, verse 1. It says, As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, a big reason for the desperation of this man was his isolation. Growing up, no one could play with him. He couldn't go out to play. He couldn't go to school. He couldn't be taught. Remember, there was no specialized education, no Braille, 
no way for him to learn how to read or write. Now, this man has an even bigger problem. You see, he's not only physically blind, but he was spiritually blind. Remember, at this moment, he had never met Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. That's why Jesus says in verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light for the world. Well, that's an incredible statement. Jesus said he was the light of the world. At that time, most of the world, 99.99% of the world, didn't know who he was and had never seen him. Yet, yet he makes this incredible claim that he is the light of the world. Now, back in, chap in chapter 1 of John, we see another incredible statement. John chapter 1 and verse 9. The true light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. Now, you know what darkness is. It is the absence of light. If Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus is the one who lights up everyone, if you don't have Jesus, then you are living in spiritual darkness. You could have perfect 20-20 vision, but at the same time be spiritually blind because you not only have eyes in your head, you have eyes in your heart. People who refuse to believe in Jesus Christ don't have a physical problem, they have a spiritual problem. They're, they're not physically blind, they're spiritually blind. St. Augustine was once approached by a pagan who showed him his idol and said, here is my God, where is yours? Augustine replied, I cannot show you my God, not because there is no God to show you, but because you have no eyes to see him. You see, this, this blind man had a deeper problem because people believe that if you had some kind of physical disability, it had to be because either you did something wrong or your parents did something wrong. There was just no other reason why you would have a physical disability. You know, it's not that there was just something wrong with you physically. There was something wrong with you spiritually and morally. So that's why we read in chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, Jesus' disciples asked, Teacher, why was this man born blind? Was it because he or his parents sinned? No, it wasn't, Jesus answered. But because of his blindness, you will see God work a miracle for him. Even though Jesus healed people on some five occasions, this is a unique story because it is the only time, the only case on record where Jesus healed a congenital disease. When people saw someone in this condition, they automatically asked the question, I wonder what this person did to deserve this. They just assumed that a physical disability was a sign of God's spiritual displeasure. Now listen to what Jesus said there in verse 3. Jesus answered, no, it wasn't. But because of his blindness, you will see God work a miracle for him. Here's the principle. A place of desperation is a setting for God's transformation. Now this is where the story begins to get interesting. Verses 6 and 7. 
After Jesus said this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud and smeared it on the man's eyes. Then he said, go and wash off the mud in Siloam pool. The man went and washed in Siloam, which means one who is sent. When he had washed off the mud, he could see. Now, I don't mean any disrespect to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but here's what I want you to see. This man had never met Jesus. Out of the blue, without even asking for permission, Jesus makes a mud pie with his own spit, puts it on the man's eyes and tells him, go wash in the pool. This is the key. John 9, verse 7. When he had washed off the mud, he could see. Did you catch that? See, that's not the way it's supposed to work. What's that old saying? Seeing is believing. Not according to Jesus. According to Jesus, believing is seeing. If this man had not believed what Jesus said, if this man had said, I don't know why you're doing this, I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it until I understand everything. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to obey you until I understand everything. Then that man, he would have died a blind man. Why did he believe Jesus? Because he was desperate. Nobody else had offered a cure. Nobody else had offered a change. Nobody else had offered an opportunity for this man to see. So he believed what Jesus said. This is why I say to those living lives of quiet desperation, today, right now, if you want a way out of your desperate situation, if you want your place of desperation to become a place of God's transformation, then you'd better believe what Jesus says. You had better believe what Jesus says about you. You had better believe what Jesus says about himself. You had better believe what Jesus says he can do through you, in you, and for you. Now, this is where the story really heats up and gets interesting. When you believe what Jesus says you receive what Jesus has. Listen to the last statement, verse 7, John 9, verse 7. And when he had washed off the mud, he could see. So let me ask you, what does a man with blindness need? Sight. What does a man in darkness need? Light. Here Jesus, the light of the world, has given to this man sight to his eyes. You would have thought that everyone would be happy. You would have thought people would be throwing a party. You would have thought this would have blown up on Twitter. Instead, it only got one question repeated over and over. Well, look at how the neighbors responded, beginning at verse 8. This man's neighbors and the people who had seen him begging wondered if he really could be the same man. Some of them said he was the same beggar, while others said he only looked like him. But he told them, I am the man. Then how can you see, they asked. He answered, someone named Jesus made some mud, 
smeared it on my eyes. He told me to go and wash it off in the pool. And when I did, I could see. Well, where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he answered. <laughs> this scene blows me away. Here's a man that has been blind from birth. How old was this man? I mean, he was a grown man. Maybe he was like 40 years old. For four decades, the man had been blind. Now he can see. And instead of celebrating, they want an explanation. Look at how the Pharisees reacted. Look down at verse 13. The day when Jesus made the mud and healed the man was a Sabbath. So the people took the man to the Pharisees. They asked him how he was able to see. And he, and he answered, Jesus made some mud, smeared it on my eyes, and after I washed it off, I could see. So this is amazing to me. Here are these religious leaders who believe in God and obviously should believe that God works miracles. But once again, instead of a celebration of what had happened to this man, they wanted an explanation of how it happened. Then the whole crowd of the Jews got involved. And how did they respond? Verse 18 but the Jewish leaders would not believe that the man had once been blind. They sent for his parents and asked them, is this the son that you said was born blind? How can he now see? The man's parents answered, we are certain that he is our son. And we know that he was born blind, but we don't know how he got his sight or who gave it to him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. They bring the parents in for a time of interrogation and investigation. Mom and dad, they don't want to get involved. As we read in, in verses 22 and 23, it says, the man's parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. The leaders had already agreed that no one was to have anything to do with anyone who said Jesus was the Messiah. So you've got to understand how serious it was to be excommunicated from the synagogue. If you were kicked out of the church, you could no longer be employed. Your friends would disown you. You could never get into the synagogue and you would be believing that your relationship with God was cut off. When you died, you wouldn't even be given, be given a funeral. So they wouldn't even stand up for their own child. So they call this guy back to the witness stand because they are determined that their interrogation and their investigation is going to lead to an explanation and a formally blind, illiterate, uneducated man takes on the group of the most knowledgeable, intellectual, religious leaders in the world and he blows them away with one statement. Verse 24 and 25. The leaders called the man back and said, Swear by God to tell the truth. We know that Jesus is a sinner. The man replied, I don't know if he is a sinner or not. All that I know is that I used to be blind, but now I can see. This man says something to those Pharisees that changed the whole debate. He said, 
I'm not going to try to explain to you what I don't know, but I'm going to dwell on what I do know. I don't understand completely how this has happened, but you can't deny that it has happened. Do you know why everybody else in this story refused to believe in Jesus except this one blind man? Because their attitude was, unless and until I understand everything, I want to understand everything, not until I get every answer, every question answered, every question that I want answered, I'm not going to believe. They thought seeing is believing. Now let me tell you something. If you're out there today, and you're refusing to believe in Jesus because you've got this question unanswered and that question unanswered, and you don't understand this or you don't understand that, then I can predict one thing for you. If you're going to wait until you understand everything and get every question answered, you will never believe. Because seeing is not believing, but believing is seeing. All of us, every day, we act on things that we believe, but that we don't completely understand. We don't focus on the unexplainable. I don't, I don't understand aerodynamics. I have a hard time trying to figure out how a plane that weighs several tons gets into the air and it flies, but I've flown thousands of miles on airplanes. This man believed what Jesus said, and because of that, he received what Jesus had. That's the way God works. When you believe what Jesus says, you will receive what Jesus has. John 9, verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he went and found the man. Then Jesus asked, Do you have faith in the Son of Man? He replied, Sir, if you will tell me who he is, I will put my faith in him. You have already seen him, Jesus answered. And right now he is talking to you. The man said, Lord, I put my faith in you. Then he worshiped Jesus. Because this man had responded to the first light that Jesus had offered him, he now received the full light of who Jesus was. I want you to notice how this man's faith in Jesus progressed. Verse 11, he says, Someone named Jesus made some mud and smeared it on my eyes. He told me to go wash it off in the pool, and when I did, I could see. The first thing that he believes about Jesus is that he is a good man. When the Pharisees asked him about Jesus, he said this in verse 17. He is a prophet. You see, he has moved from calling Jesus a good man to calling Jesus a great man because you could not pay a person a higher compliment in that day than to call them a prophet. When the Pharisees came back to him a second time and asked about Jesus again, he says in John 9, 31 to 33, we know that God listens only to people who love and obey him. God doesn't listen to sinners. 
And this is the first time in history that anyone has ever given sight to someone born blind. Jesus could not do anything unless he came from God. You see, this man was right. Nowhere in the Old Testament and nowhere else in the New Testament do you ever read where anyone who was born blind was ever completely healed of their blindness. In fact, I think it's the only time in recorded history that this has ever happened. This man must be from God. So you see, so now he's not just a good man or even a great man. He's a godly man. But then, as we read in verse 38, he says, Lord, I put my faith in you. He then worshipped Jesus. You see, now he understands that Jesus is not just a good man or a great man or a godly man, but that he is the God-man. And that's what I want you to see. When this, this, when this man responded to the very first light that he saw that God gave him, God then gave him more light. When God gives you a little light, if you will respond to that light he will give you, then he gives you more light. If you reject the first light, then you will never see the full light and remain a blind man. Let us pray. Our gracious God, our loving Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus the light of the world. Father, I pray that he may bring spiritual sight to each one of us. May he illuminate the darkness in our lives. May we see him for who he is, not just a great man, a godly man, but the God-man, the Messiah. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. Each and every broadcast, we like to offer a resource to our viewers that can help them to better understand this God who so loves us that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have life everlasting. On today's program, I'd like to offer you this little book. It is called fake news. It is a term that has been coined and been used quite a bit today. And it says how Satan's lies are deceiving millions. You know, the only way Satan can win is to keep you and I in spiritual darkness. But as we saw in today's story, Jesus wants to give us sight. I think this little book can help you. So we would like you to request it. If you're watching for the very first time and you're wondering, well, what is this? Well, this is a gift that will arrive in your home by mail, postage paid, no obligation, no invoice ever for this book. It is a gift, a free gift from Lessons for Living Television to you. Do you know what would make me really happy? If you would accept our gift. You can do that by paying close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website. 
www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. I'm not sure you, you can appreciate how much we, how grateful we are that you tune in each and every week. We're grateful for the emails you send us, the notes, you know, the words of encouragement, your prayers. They are meaningful to each and every one of us. So thank you for that. If I may be so bold, if I could ask you, would you be willing to share the information on our program with your friends and your family, your neighbors? Now, maybe they live far away and maybe not in an area where our program is broadcast. That's okay. You can refer them to our website, l4ltv.com. You see, on the website, there's a tab that says previous programs. Every single program we've ever aired is accessible from that page, all of them. And there's some interesting programs there. We've got some health programs. We've got some powerful interviews with some testimonies. We have different series, you know, on creation, on the life of David, the disciples. So check those out and uh, let your friends and family know about our broadcast. Now, while you're on the website, you know, venture over to where it says uh, archived sermons because we have there a number of video presentations that I've done in different parts of the country addressing perplexing questions, providing the biblical answers to those. Like why do bad things happen to good people? What happens to us when we die? Who or what is 666? So there's a video presentation and there's a, a PDF file as a study help that you can download and that can help you in your study of that particular topic. There's also a live appearances tab where you can find out where I'll be appearing live, either in person or virtually. And then there's a Donate Today tab. On the Donate Today tab, you can make a donation to keep the ministry on the air. That uh, donation is eligible for a receipt for income tax purposes because we are a charitable organization. And every penny that is donated is reinvested directly in the ministry, not in terms of salary for me or any benefit to my family. It covers the airtime, the studio time, the gifts, all of those things that we need to run the ministry. Okay? Social media. We can stay in contact throughout the week. Follow me on Instagram. Every morning, 6.30 a.m., I put out a one-minute devotional video. Great way to start your day. Follow me on Twitter. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
check out an audio version of the program from SoundCloud. Before we go, remember to visit missionnowcanada.com, the overseas humanitarian work we do. We are all out of time. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Let's do it again next time. We'll see you then.